This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Greg Parsons. Greg is the founder and owner of GP Retails Consulting. He's been in the retail real estate industry for a long time. He's a friend of mine. I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Greg. Oh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Greg, I think you have an interesting path in retail real estate. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you've done over your career? Okay. Um, I've been in, uh, so my name is Greg Parsons. I'm the, the founder of GP Retails Consulting um, currently, uh, but I've been in the industry for the better part of 25 years, um, starting primarily on the landlord retail, retail real estate side, and then recently was with Spirit Halloween um, over the last two seasons on the retailer side. Um, so my path has taken me into property management, property marketing, leasing, traditional leasing, non-traditional leasing. So, I mean, I've, I've had a very winding road path to get to where I am today. And, and I don't know if this is a fair characterization, but I put you in the, a, a specialist category of someone who's pretty passionate about temp leasing, seasonal leasing, pop-up stores, uh, and these type of non-traditional concepts. Is that a fair characterization? I mean, I, I think it's in part a fair characterization. I mean, I, I do have a passion on retail. Um, I've always had that. And so finding that niche between short-term and seasonal retail has just kind of I was bitten by a bug a while back and have really found that a lot of creativity and is, is in that realm. And I just really always found enjoyment just trying to figure out how best to maximize retail real estate and in specifically shopping center spaces and, and to utilize them on a short-term basis. And you have this you have this, what's going on in pop-up retail every, is it every Friday? Yeah, every Friday, everybody comes out. And, and, and tell everybody about that. What is, what's going on in pop-up retail? So I, I started this, we'll call it weekly report on uh, pop-up retail um, a couple of years ago. And again, it kind of spawned from a passion of, of what I've gone, done my entire career but it really summarizes the creativity and just the innovation of what's going on with international brands, regional brands, or even local brands across the globe. And so I'm just constantly researching what's going on, what's, what's happening in other parts of the world. Um, because I, and I report it because I think other people should know what others are doing. I think it's a great way to share information and someone's creativity in China may be a great idea that somebody can use. And let's just call it Bloomington, Indiana, per se. So I just like bring that together and kind of just summarizing what's going on that particular week. 
So what is going on in pop-up retail today? Like if you were going to summarize, this is a growing category. Actually, don't answer that. Let's, let's reframe everybody for a second. For those who don't know, let's talk about short-term leasing versus seasonal leasing and the differences in these seasonal tenants versus these short-term type tenants that we're seeing in the, in this pop-up world and what's going on with that. Can you take us through and kind of break it up? Cause there's, I think there's different categories so that we can make sure we're all understanding the same uh, sure. reading from the same textbook. So I, I think when we, we consider seasonal leasing, you know, we, we it initially is started with, let's say your typical Christmas store or like a Christmas tree sale, you know, over the holiday season. And then, you know, 30 some years ago, Halloween became a, a much more popular um, holiday. And so retailers decide, you know, the, the evolution and, and the starting of the spirit Halloweens and the Halloween expresses of the world capitalized on that season as well. And so they've always kind of wrapped themselves around a special holiday, per se. So that's kind of your seasonal leasing part. Is, and do you put like Hickory Farms in there and some of those groups, calendar? I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone that's kind of capitalizing on a specific holiday, per se, then, you know, the Hickory Farms, um, Seize Candies, um, go, uh, go, go Retail, Go Calendars. You know, those guys that you'll typically see in, you know, in a, in a, in a mall kiosk during November and December, I, qual I, I categorize them into the seasonal retail okay. bucket. Got it. And then you've got others. And I mean, and you can put H&R Block and you can put, you know, Jackson True. Truett in that same block as well. Right. You know, they're capitalizing on a specific season. Short-term retail, I think, is a little bit more targeted in a specific whether it be a specific market, uh, a, a specific um, demographic, you know, whatever that case may be, is and they're trying to capitalize on a short-term basis to either test, you know, it's a, it's, it's a retail laboratory, it's some retail experimentation to really engage a shopper um, on a very specific uh, time, you know, time. And, and so they're able, they use that short-term period to gain as much data as they can, generate some sales in the process, and, and to really evaluate their overall brand um, in that short short time frame. So I mean, you know, the Burberry, a lot of that comes from all these luxury guys, the Louis Vuittons, the Dior's, Burberry, Burberry, you know, those guys are focused on, I mean, they have an entire division dedicated to short-term retail because they're they're constantly testing and evaluating, you know, where their brand is going and what shoppers are doing. Got it. And malls for a long time incubated short-term tenants, hoping they might be come permanent tenants in their malls for a long time, right? They sign a, a year lease with a 30 day out and hopefully the tenant knocks the cover off the ball, sales are through the roof and, you know, wants to stay long-term, right? This has been a concept for a long time from a short-term basis. Yes. Which is different than the seasonal retailers who their model's pretty set in stone right now. They, they know what they need to do. They know when they need to do it. They're coming in for a certain period of time to capitalize, as you call it, 
surrounding a holiday or a season. So, okay. So there's that. Now that we've separated the two, what's going on in, you know, short-term leasing, pop-up retail, what's going on today? I, I think a lot of it, what's interesting to see is that there's so much experimentation in that, in, in that realm. Um, you know, you've got a lot of people that are collaborating with artists to create these immersive retail environments and on a short-term basis. And, but, but they're doing it on, on different levels. So it's, it's, a, it's a solid experimentation, almost like a laboratory, if you will, to, to really engage shoppers, to understand the data that they're building, to generate some sales, and, and to really evaluate the overall impression of that brand that, um, that shoppers are seeing. And, and that's where I think it's very, it's, it's much different today than it was even five years ago. And yes, the pandemic has somewhat exacerbated that, but um, it's much more poignant and, and targeted than I think it's ever been before. If you were going to tell me, let's just make it fun. What are like the three coolest short-term pop-up stores you've seen since the pandemic, March of 2020? Let's put um, you on the spot. We didn't prep sure. this question, everybody. Yeah, no, I know. The, I, I think Candiopolis has been one that's been pretty impressive. Um, they bounce around from market to market and es essentially create this environment. It's almost like a maze that's just dedicated towards simple different part, different candies. And, and you know, they'll, they'll take a 15,000 square foot space. They're open for six months. And it really becomes a museum almost of, of, of just simply about candy. Of sugar. Yeah. They're all sugar. You gotta love it. Um, so Candyopolis, I, that's one. Yeah. Um, Louis Vuitton really is doing some, some in, impressive things with regards to artist collaborations. Um, they just launched one a couple weeks earlier this year. Um, with an artist in Japan, and they've really taken that and expanded it um, across the globe. So now they've, they've had one in Japan, they've got one in Paris, they've got New York and LA. I mean, that's a pretty impressive, um, just those type of collaborations, I think, seem to be pretty impressive. Um, a third that I think that I've seen is, is, is being utilized fairly well is what Dix is doing. Dix is doing kind of like their warehouse sale. Um, and so they use it as an experimentation um, venue, and they are trying to they are trying to to offload you know to to you know clear out inventory. Clear out. Thank you. Trying lots of words. Clear out inventory um, from from other stores, but they're typically in either either in local shopping centers that they that they that they're already in or they're actually testing out other markets um within a within a submarket of, of that geographic geography so um i think those three are some some interesting aspects of what's going on right. so far so greg's three cool short-term concepts candyopolis yeah, short concepts louis vuitton, louis vuitton. and dick sporting that's cool One last thing before we get into your story. Sure. Tell us what 
GP Retails Consulting is, what you're doing, and how it's going. Uh, so it's, I really launched it last last fall. Um, really had decided that I'm wanted to step away from the, uh, you know, kind of from the we'll call it the corporate world, if you will, and I, I thought that there is this niche and desire for landlords, municipalities, even retailers to, to utilize short-term pop-up retail and, and, and within their venues and expand it to what they currently do. Um, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of municipalities are growing to, you know, they're, they're trying to infiltrate and try to up, upgrade their, their merchandise mix within their municipalities. And, they're not really, they're just not tapping into the opportunity that they can be and utilizing what there's the opportunities that they have. Um, and so I, I just have always been this passion within retail and always liked that, that there's a little niche of, of, of doing something short term. I just, I thought it was time to kind of go out on my own and, and, and to start to see what the, uh, you know, what's kind of what's out there. So, if someone were, what what is a, an engagement you'll foresee that you might take on so that people could know and you can tell the audience if they're interested in potentially, you know, bringing some short-term opportunities to them, what, what does an engagement, like what would be a scope of work you would be doing? Uh, you know, so the scope of work for me would be simply, um, I can do it on a deal by deal basis. Um, you know, if there's, if, if there's a property that, that needs some help that I, I, I could go out and canvas those markets on, on, and, and really attract retailers on a short-term basis. Um, I can also put together some strategies with, with different cities to, to evaluate their, their locations and, and, and their opportunities within those specific markets that they control to, to really integrate, um, some high, some quality operators, um, to really get the lights turned on you know, so that their presence, you know, so their, you know, their uh, street, streetscapes look as best as they possibly can. So those are just a couple, two, a couple of key things. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Well, appreciate you giving us some cool concepts, telling us a little sure. bit about you and what's going on in short-term and seasonal retail. You have a story about a spirit Halloween in Centennial, Colorado. Take us away. Okay, so this this is uh, 2005. Okay. Um, so we're going back a little bit, and 2004, just for feet, had just gone bankrupt. So all of their stores had closed in 2004. So that leaves, you know, a good a good amount of real estate available for possible short term for short term deals for Halloween stores. Um, back then. So I'm, I'm working at DDR at the time, which is now site centers. So I'm, and we go out, no, this is April, April, 2005. We go out to bid for, you know, who's going to take over the majority of our Halloween business back then, you know, we, we go to spirit, we go to Halloween express, which is another Halloween operator. And then there's a couple of local operators, um, you know, within tertiary markets that, that we work with as well. So everybody goes out to bid. We, we, we solicit the sites, and um, Centennial, the just for feet space, 
and Centennial is is a, is we'll, we'll call it a hot commodity. You know, it's it's attractive right off of I twenty five, right across from Park Meadows Mall. Um, probably one of the best best pieces of real estate in the country. In all honesty, I mean, it's a pretty attractive place. So throughout the bid process, we award the, we award the just for feet space to Spirit. Spirit will end up, you know, so this is, we'll call it late June, early July, and space goes out for bid. So, this, so Spirit, we secure a deal with Spirit, and they're preparing to move in middle of August, okay? And going back a little bit, the property is leased and owned and managed by, by DDR at the time. They, they've hired a secondary broker to kind of help out with some of the additional leasing because there were some other vacancies at the property, even though we have an in-house leasing staff. And um, come middle of August, Spirit comes knocking on the door. Well, doors open and someone else is already inside. Oh, no. And someone that's already inside is setting up Halloween merchandise. Oh, my God. And so it's coming to be, lo and behold, it's Halloween Express, whom we rejected their bid for the space months ago. Come to find out that the local broker team did a deal with Halloween Express. Oh, my God. So somehow, and I mean, I, and only, and I only found out about this. I get a phone call on a random Sunday afternoon from my property manager in Colorado, whom I rarely talk to, you know, <laughs> aside from during the week, said, hey, we got a problem here. We've got two people trying to need in the same space at the same time. I go, well, that's interesting because I only know of one. And um, so it was, so it was interesting. We, we had a little bit of negotiation of, of emergency negotiations handled to get, because eventually, I mean, eventually it ended up happening. Halloween Express had no business being there, even though the broker team did the deal. Um which was a whole separate issue of how who, that even happened. Who signed the document? Because the brokers are third party. They couldn't sign on behalf of the ownership. Who signed the document I, with I, Halloween Express? Halloween Express signed theirs. And I, I think it came from the broker, the broker group. I mean, I, I, again, it'd be, it was a very weird situation trying to wow. figure out how this happened. And so um, spirit. And so now, so they don't really have a deal. So you, you must've, did you call Halloween Express? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the phone with Halloween Express because I work, and I'm like, like, look, we, we've talked about this. It's like, how did you guys get this? I'm like, whoa, we, we, th- we thought you just, we thought the other broker group just let us do the deal. Like, um, no, that's not how this was supposed to go. I mean, you know, we, we always work together. We have hundreds, you know, we worked with you in multiple sites across the country. You, you kind of know the process. Wow. So they just, and they thought and they- unpacking that, so you call Halloween Express. They're already inside. They've spent money. They've ordered stuff. How long from there did they exit the space? Uh, it, it took them about two weeks. Two weeks. Before, um, I mean, there, there was this leading up part. That, so they kind of squatted for a little bit as we were trying to work everything out. So Spirit's just sitting on the front door waiting to get in. I mean, they've got trucks and merchandise and staff and i mean they're ready to go and um so about after about two weeks there was a period where halloween was halloween express was moving out and spirit was moving in at the same time 
Wow. It was a very interesting dynamic. And how did, how did the conversations go with Spirit? They call you probably freaking out. They're calling me, you know, I get the call from property manager. They're calling me freaking out. And so now I've, I've got to balance all of these. One, there's a lot of unknowns going on because how does somebody got access to a space? I, I don't know at the time. And then, you know, I've got spirit trusting me that, hey, you know, we trusted you with our with with this deal. We're trying to make sure that we get into this space because, you know, we want to get these doors open by Labor Day because that's just kind of their their planning. I mean, at the time that was then. I mean, now they're they're about a month earlier if they can. So um, so there, there was it was some interest. That was an interesting month. That was an interesting period. month. The. And did Halloween Express, did you have to pay them to leave? No. Well, that's good. No. You worked out a we, deal. We, we did not have to pay them to leave. We, we ended up working out a deal. Um, I want to say it was at another one of our shopping centers in, in, Cal- in Denver that actually had come available. It wasn't as big as Just for Feet, but it was usable. And I mean, so they were somewhat, I mean, yes, they, 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 they were somewhat made whole. I mean, it was a, it was a mistake and they on they owned up to it at the time after, after the fact, but wow. it was still when, when you're dealing with seasonal retail and, and, and there's just this small window of opportunity, everything just gets flows through this pipe extremely fast. And so some things just kind of slip through what happens well greg that was a pretty cool story really appreciate you coming on today i want to take us to the end of the show i got three questions for you are you ready sure question one what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead Uh, it's interesting we actually just talked about it um it's just for feet very cool um when i was in college there was a just for feet store in um dublin ohio and that we would always go to and they would offer, they had the big basketball court in the middle of the store. I remember. And we would all, they would always offer like free throw competitions. They would have dunk contests in the store. So it was always just an engaging environment when, for us, when we went there as, as, as college kids. Um, so it was just, I was, and I was just, I missed that when they left. Because uh, is that, is I'm, that, is that you telling us that you can dunk? That is me telling you I could I could at the time. That's 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 no longer the case. All right. I've retired those shoes. So can we can we make that the title of the show? Greg Parsons can dunk. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should. Okay. Question two. What's the last item over twenty dollars that you bought in the store? So it was a water heater blanket from Home mm-hmm. Depot. Okay. However, I didn't use it on a water heater. <laughs> What'd you use it on? I used it on our outdoor irrigation system. So I'm in Houston and over the holiday season, temperatures dropped to below 20. Well, anytime, anytime the temperature drops below 30 degrees, people in Houston panic. I mean, it is, you know, the grocery stores are empty. Home Depot's empty. I mean, everything's gone. So luckily I was able to find this blanket, wrap the, uh, you wrap the, uh, outdoor irrigation system so it doesn't freeze so your pipes don't freeze and and so it just helps prevent um 
Great. helps prevent damage uh, in the past. So I, I learned that I learned that trick two years ago when we had another freeze, and so I did that again. Perfect. Last question. If you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? You know I'm an avid reader. <laughs> and so I'm going to be in the book section. Love it. It's near electronics. So my kids are going, you know, my kids are probably over looking at the games for the Switch and everything else. And I'm sifting through books, getting lost. So that's, that's probably where I'd be. Well, fantastic. Greg, this was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Sure. And uh, if you're not following Greg on LinkedIn, please do. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.